1: Do you? love singing praises to Jesus. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing story from the Bible in Living Sound.
2: His majesty, Isposheth, the son of Saul, king and ruler
3: of Israel, enters and sits upon the throne. Bow the knee. Long
4: live the king.
5: Uh, scribe, uh, what is first on today's docket? I want to go to the other I side of the, the camp, Majesty, right away, and to demand. To so you will await your turn. Approach the throne only when permission is granted. While well, we're at it. I want to know upon what authority you visited my father's concubine. You questioning me about anything I do or say? I am king. <laughs> my word is law. You will obey it the same as all the rest of Israel. Am I a dog said that you dare talk to me thus? It was I who put you upon the throne of Israel. I could have delivered it to David. And don't forget that, your majesty. I am king. My word is law. You are I obey am the me. power behind the throne. I can still put David... David on this throne, then he will rule all Israel, even from Dan to Beersheba. Now, do I get to see you, or must I wait my turn? Your Majesty. Um, Audience granted, Abner. General of the armies, state your business. I don't think I even want to see you now. I can take her. message to David. Deliver it to him in person. Say unto him, whose land is Israel? Who is king of Israel? Then say unto him that Abner wishes to enter into league with David to bring all Israel under his rule. Make haste, and bring his reply directly
3: to me. Return to General Abner, and tell him that I will make a league with him under one condition, that he bring Michael, Saul's daughter, who was my wife, with him when he comes to see me. When you have delivered that message to Abner, seek an audience with King Ishbosheth, and say unto him that David, son of Jesse, instructs Ishbosheth, son of Saul, to deliver unto me my wife Michael, which I wed when Saul was king of Israel, and whom Saul later gave to Faltiel as his wife. David
5: demands I return Michael to him, does he? Well, I guess I'd better comply with his demand. Scribe! Send to the home of Falthiel, son of Laish, and bring Michael back with you. If Laish objects, tell him that you are merely obeying your king's orders. Take Michael back to become the wife of David?
2: Never! Never!
6: A king's word is law. He must be obeyed.
2: Michael, do you want to go back to David?
6: Messenger, I will go with you at once.
2: I forbid it. You must stay with me. I'm the... Let us go, messenger. No. No, I I won't let you. I'll go along. Don't go back to David. Stay with me. Please stay with me. You and I have been happy together. Why
5: spoil it all by going back to David?
2: And they came to Bahurim, where General Abner met them.
5: Go back to your home, Faltiel. Michael has to go back to King David. It's orders. And
2: the man obeyed Abner and turned about and went home. Then Abner went about Israel campaigning for David to make David king over all Israel instead of only the tribe of
3: Judah.
5: Elders of Israel, in times past he sought for David to be king over you. Now is your chance. Do it. Make David your king. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David will I save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies.
2: And Abner went to Hebron to speak in the ear of David. Twenty men were with him.
3: And David made Abner and his men a feast. Abner! Abner, it's good to see you again. Especially as friends, not enemies. How are things with you, personally? <laughs> oh, I- I'm worried, David. Ishbosheth isn't very bright
5: eh? (laughs) here. Oh, he's not an idiot, but but he certainly is not qualified to be king. That's why I offered to cast my lot and influence to your side. Oh, thank you, Abner. I will arise and go and will gather all Israel unto my lord, the king. That they will make a league with you, that you are to reign over them and do all that is in thy heart.
3: Arise, my friend, and go in peace. May the lord bless your efforts and prosper you. granted. Long live the king. I'm in a good mood, Joab. So most anything you want you can have. Just name it. I don't want anything for myself, your majesty. Uh-huh.
2: But I I would like to know why you saw and befriended Abner in my absence. Because I think it's the proper thing to do, don't you? No, sir. Abner is a traitor. He is unprincipled. He is full of ambition for himself and only himself. <laughs> Those are pretty harsh words, Joab. Not harsh enough, your majesty. Abner came here for one purpose, to deceive you. I know not what he said nor what he wanted, but of one thing I am sure, absolutely sure. He is a spy. He came to find out if he could. You're coming in and you're going out and all that you plan to do. And you received him in peace and sent him away in peace. Why, Joab,
3: I believe you're jealous of Abner. My duty is to protect you, Your Majesty. And Abner came here not to make friends, I appreciate your interest and concern, Joab. But I'm sure you're wrong about Abner. He came here offering peace between his faction of Israel and mine. He offered to make me king over all. At what price? That he become your commander-in-chief? No, no, nothing was said of that, Joab. As far as I'm concerned, you are my commander-in-chief and always shall be. Thank you, Your Majesty. May I withdraw? Permission granted. Long live the king.
2: Sergeant, go after Abner. Catch up with him on the double and give him this message. Tell him that King David wishes to see him at once.
5: Abner, sir! Abner! Someone's calling me! Whoa! Oh, oh. uh, uh, looks like a royal messenger. Probably from King David. Whoa! Whoa! Abner, sir, King David wishes to consult further with you and ask you to return to Hebron. As the king commands, I obey. Hello, king! Well, 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 if it isn't General Joab. Greetings, General Abner. Welcome to
2: Hebron. The king sends his greetings. However... He wishes me to inform you of certain things that shall come to pass when you come before him. If you will please dismount and come into the gatehouse, I shall do as the king commanded to.
5: Now, General Joab, just what is it? What are you going to do?
2: Remember how you stuck your spear through my brother Asahel. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. To you, to avenge the death of my brother Asahel.
3: And when David heard of it... I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from the blood of Abner. Let the blame rest forever upon the head of Joab... and on all his father's house. And may the house of Joab never be without one who is leprous... or that leaneth on a staff or that falleth on the sword, or that lacketh bread. And they buried Abner in Hebron. And King David lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept.
1: Continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1 800 634 0234. That's 1 800 634 0234. Now, here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
6: Well, hello, favorite granddaughter, Mariam. <laughs> I'm your only granddaughter. Oh, yeah. I've been meaning to talk to your father about that. How was school today? We studied about World War I. Do you remember it? Uh, no. Believe it or not, it was a few decades before my time. What did you learn? I learned that people can be very mean to each other. Grandma, why do they do that? I think that people fight each other because they listen to the other voice. The other voice? In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were walking around and playing with the animals, a voice called from a tree. Remember the story? Oh, yes. I learned that at Bible class. Satan was in the tree looking like a beautiful serpent. He told Eve to eat the fruit that God said not to eat. And what did she do? She ate it. Why did she do that? Because... She listened to the other voice, the voice that wasn't God's, right? Exactly. God's voice said, Don't eat. Satan's voice said, Eat. In World War I and II, and Korea and Vietnam, and in the Middle East, God's voice said, Don't fight. Satan's voice said, Fight. Today, God's voice says to us, Don't cheat, don't lie, don't be unkind. Satan says just the opposite. We need to decide who to listen to every day. Thanks, Grandma. I want to listen to God's voice. Smart girl. You get that from your dad's side of the family, you know. Oh, Grandma.
3: Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
7: Hi, boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you today's story is chapter three the mysterious treasure map come on in kids everybody else is already here mrs Shu called from her door chris maria and ryan dashed in out of the rain hey guys willie shouted stop dripping and come get some popcorn before chris even got to finish his first bowl of popcorn the others got impatient i want to see the treasure map Dee, Dee said leaning over chris's drink It's not a treasure map. It's a newspaper clipping, Chris said between crunches. Yeah, dummy, Ryan said. Girls can be so dumb. Chris turned to Ryan. Leave her alone, Ryan. Ryan gave Chris a surprised look, then went and sat down on the couch by himself. Chris looked at Ryan, then at Dee Dee. Sorry, he said quietly. Dee Dee shrugged. Let's see the newspaper article. Chris pulled out his book and removed the newspaper clipping. He unfolded it and lay it out on the table. First of all, this clipping is from may twelfth, eighteen eighty seven. Chris looked up at Ryan. That's two years before the date in this book. Chris began to read. Three armed desperados held up the weekly westbound train from Beetletown to Chuckle Creek yesterday just outside Mill Valley. Beetletown? Chuckle Creek? What strange names, Willie said interrupting. Many towns changed their names over the years, explained Mrs. Shue, and many of the towns west of here died out when people no longer could find gold in the mountains. There were hundreds of little towns out there in the hills that are gone now. Ghost towns, Sammy said. Chris continued. The robbers waited at Snake Creek Pass outside of town. A tree trunk laid across the tracks stopped the train there. While train officials worked to remove the tree, the three robbers entered the baggage car. Holding a train porter at gunpoint, the three left with bags containing more than $3,000 in cash and a shipment of personal mail for the people of Mill Valley. When the track was cleared, the train continued its trip into Mill Valley. It was there that the conductor discovered the porter tied up in the baggage car. Awesome, Sammy said. Bam, bam, he mimicked a cowboy with a gun. No, Sammy, Maria stated, no one was shooting. This was a peaceful robbery. "'Sure, at gunpoint,' said Willie. "'There's more,' said Chris, continuing the reading. "'The porter was able to identify two of the bandits as Ace Wilder, local ruffian, "'and ne'er-do-well of Mill Valley, and his brother, Tiny.' "'Tiny?' Ryan asked, who had again joined the group. "'What kind of name is that for a train robber?' "'Mrs. Shoe, what's a ne'er-do-well?' Chris asked. "'It's an old word for people who are always getting into trouble,' Mrs. Shoe said.' The two brothers were cornered in their cabin outside of town, Chris read. During a fierce gun battle, their cabin caught on fire. The two brothers refused to leave the burning building and died in the flames. Wow, Willie said. Well, so much for the stolen money, Maria said. It must have burned up. Not necessarily, Chris said. Let me read the rest of this. The third member of the train robbery gang was not identified and has not yet been discovered. Sheriff Potts and the train company detectives believe it was someone living in Mill Valley just as the Wilder brothers did. Neither the cash nor the mail have been recovered. Train officials believe it is hidden somewhere near Mill Valley. Chris looked up from the news clipping and folded it up again. So do we have a buried treasure in Mill Valley? Maria shook her head. I don't know. It's been a long time. Somebody's probably dug it up years ago. Or maybe not, Sammy said. Mrs. Hsu, you know a lot about Mill Valley history, Chris said. Have you ever heard of someone digging up buried treasure around here? Mrs. Hsu shook her head. Never, but you've got another problem. In the 1800s, Mill Valley had just a few hundred people living here. Now it has thousands and thousands. Places that were out of town back then are surrounded by buildings now. And remember, geography changes in a hundred years. Geography, said Chris. What do you mean? You know, geography, brother, Maria said. Lakes, rivers, mountains. Chris pushed Maria away. I know what geography is. I just don't understand how it can change. Mrs. Shue walked over and sat on the edge of the couch. Well, in the past hundred years, Mill Valley has had earthquakes, floods, and landslides. All those things can change the way rivers flow and the shape of hills and mountains. And then there are all the new houses and buildings. Uh, I think we're forgetting something, guys, Jenny said. We don't know where to look. We need some sort of treasure map or something. Well, let's look at what we have first, Chris said. Then we can worry about things we don't have, like a map. Chris was getting a strange feeling inside, an exciting feeling. Well, we've got the details of the robbery here, Maria said. What about the name in front of the book, Chris, Ryan asked. Chris opened it to the front cover, T. Elliott. The date is 1889. Mrs. Shue suddenly stood up. Let me see something, she said more to herself than to the kids. She walked out of the room. A moment later, she returned with a book. She flipped through the pages to the back of the book. As I said, there weren't a lot of people living here in Mill Valley in those days. The town historian did a good job of keeping track of almost everyone. This book on Mill Valley has an index that lists the names of most of the pioneers who lived here. Elliot. Elliot. Here's a Tom Elliott listed right here. Let's see page 29. She flipped the pages. Tom Elliott, son of Angus Elliott of St. Louis, died February 2, 1891, of the flu at age 24. She read to herself for a moment, then added, It says he was employed by the railroad as a baggage clerk. Baggage clerk, Ryan asked. Could he be the clerk who was at the robbery? Or maybe he knew the other clerk who decided not to identify him to the sheriff, added Chris. "'In any case, it looks like he was involved,' said Mrs. Shue. "'Now what?' Maria asked. "'Now we need a map,' Jenny said. "'But we don't have a map,' Ryan said. "'Wait a minute, guys,' Chris said. "'Maybe we do.' "'What are you talking about, Chris?' Maria asked. "'Well, there are lots of ifs in this, but listen,' he said. "'If the two Wilder brothers didn't have the treasure with them, "'and if this Tom Elliot was involved with the robbery, "'he might have wanted to wait a while before he spent the money.' That way, people wouldn't know he was involved. And if he didn't dig it up and spend it, then he had to have some way of remembering where it was. Which means he had to have a map, Jenny said. But where, Willie asked, then added almost as fast, in the book. Chris nodded as he opened the book to the back cover. The paper covering the inside of the back cover was loose. I think the news clipping was in here, Chris said. He turned to the front cover, so I think the map might be right in here. He peeled back the thin paper inside of the front cover. Maria gasped as she looked over Chris's shoulder. Beneath the paper, she saw a drawing that looked like a map.
6: The story you have heard today is a chapter
7: of the Shoebox Kids, Book 1, The Mysterious Treasure Map. It was written by Jerry D. Thomas and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association.
6: If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955.